Hi, and welcome to another episode of Blog Talk Radio. Kenny, get your French fry away from that. <laughs> Brought to you by ProGold. Um, what was the thing? Mayonnaise? No, no Uphill, uphill Indos. Oh, yeah, and ProGold again. Um, also, cider mixed with Captain Morgan. Uh, tonight, we are going to talk a little bit about some clipless pedal drama. Uh, a little bit about Silvo, probably. Um, how Enduro is the new women's specific. Um, and also, let's go, I know we're doing like the, the how to lighten your bike thing. Um, Do we I, have a... We uh, don't have a specific bike, but I think it would be a good idea to talk about... Um, what? I need a phone number. Oh, and remind me, I'm going to talk about, for uh, just a minute, about uh, winter pork oil weights and some stuff that I did. So. Oh, okay. If you want to call in at any point during the show... Whoa, that's a big old list of stuff. Are yeah. we doing all that? I got a, I wrote a story for the show. Holy there is... Uh, the call-in number is 646-595-4113. Um, you can call us at any time. You don't have to talk about... Wait, wait, wait. 4113. That was 646-595-4113. Okay. So you can, I mean, you can call in with any random topic. You don't. Ha- it doesn't have to be whatever we're talking about. If you want to talk about mildly bike-related stuff, you Jack, can talk Jack about, and Jill go womp womp womp. If you want to talk about like meteors, like you know, the comet Isom blew up. It got close to the sun and uh, it disintegrated. The rest, like, it burned up. So ain't, it's gone now. Ain't that some shit? Wait, what happened? A the comet. comet got there was like the a sun. big comet that you could see. Um, from Earth because it was getting close, like it passed us relatively closely, but it also passed the sun relatively closely, which is much more dangerous than passing the Earth um, very closely. And much it, more dangerous. For you know what comment. I pay a lot of money for? What? Is if I could somehow be in a situation where you could throw something and watch it get disintegrated into the sun. <laughs> I like think if you, you were could just if you went, So if, if I could, if I could like pay a, for that service, that no, would be No, Kenny, really cool. you know, you can do that. I mean, it wouldn't have the same gravitational pull. But you could go to some place where they're, like, smelting iron, and they have um, things that are, like, as hot as the sun, I think. No. I mean, or real close, or, or like, getting up there, like, you could throw they anything They got stuff hot it. enough to incinerate anything you want to throw into it. So, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, you could throw anything in there. All right, so, uh, something kind of important. Um, we know how y'all are out there, and we really like it when y'all call in, so... If you call in tonight by dialing 646-595-4113, what we're going to do is we will write down your name and the first couple of digits of your telephone number. And at the end of the show, we're going to, at very randomly, pull a name from a Pro Gold lube bucket. Uh, those Pro Gold towels, we've saved one of those buckets. Um, and we're going to pull the name. It's the radio. I can say whatever I want to. <laughs> They can't see. I'm please. so confused. Pull the first couple numbers of someone's phone just, number. Uh, just roll with it. Just please. listen. We'll take your name and the first few digits of your phone number to verify that you are you. At the end of the show, we will pull a name and say, you know, Jack from the 901 area code. You've won, and tonight you'll win a 50% discount for a pair of mountain bike radio fix-it sticks. So if that doesn't persuade you to call in, ask some questions. All right. Is that actually a prize? Yeah, it's a real prize. You'll get fifty oh, percent off that. a pair of Mountain Bike Radio uh, Fix-It sticks. So, I didn't um, know that. what are those? Those are those little uh, modular tools. So they're like two. They look like two Allen wrenches, but they have holes in them. So you plug one into the other, and then you use it just like you would a normal tire iron you for can a Google car. Fix-It sticks and, um, and get an idea. 
Like, yeah. We have those? Uh, well, they they do exist. Ben so. has them? Ben has them. So. Okay. Uh, what was I talking about before you needed the phone number? I said what we were going to talk about, and then... Uh, we were... You were getting there, and I wanted to make sure everyone got that phone number a couple of times, so people would start calling in. You Alan said you Duro. didn't have a bike, but you put a bike for tonight's episode. For, yeah, 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 yeah. So, let's see how many different things we can talk about in five minutes. Go. No, no, no. That's not how this show rolls. <laughs> um, how it's going so far. I I'm wanted so to. I wanted to start by instead of talking about one specific bike, let's just say you buy a fifteen hundred dollar hardtail twenty nine. What is the what are like the first, second, and third things that you should do to make it lighter? So the the first thing you should do when you buy that bike is you should slow down a little bit and see if it's better to wait and buy a little bit nicer bike because that nicer bike may have better parts to start with. So you don't want to buy the fifteen hundred dollar bike if the seventeen hundred dollar bike has a much nicer fork. That's the place to start. I'm assuming you yeah, said hardtail, yeah. right? That's a, yeah. Let's. Uh, well, well, I mean, so let's let's start at the very basic. Let's Five operationally more. define what our fifteen hundred dollar mountain bike is. You Kenny, any, you've you've so got the most shop one? experience so well, not most, but the most recent shop experience right now. What do you say? What what bike sells? What's a a good like? I don't want a piece of junk hardtail twenty nine er that you sell. <clears throat> so generally, it'll have. So on the fork side of things, I would look for, at the bare minimum, it's got an air spring. So it's going to be infinitely adjustable. So if you're a fatty, you don't have to buy new springs or whatever, you know, because very rarely... Can we can we not call people fat? Can we call them Clydesdales? I'm going to call them fatties. Okay. Um, because some Clydesdales aren't actually of, of insane, or of too much body fat. No, there's a, plenty of Clydesdales that are six foot two and weigh 200 pounds which is like really normal yeah so yeah, so that's, that's anyway not necessarily fatty that's so if you're a fatty that usually means <laughs> that you are of a certain height and are really fat so you're probably over what the intended range of that coil spring was for that size so you might ride a medium frame so you're five foot eight but you weigh 240 pounds because you're a fatty along the same lines you might also be like the size of kenny or matt or i or maybe smaller, even. And uh, maybe you're on kind of the low end for what that coil spring shock was made for. Yep, exactly. So anyway, I really look for an air sprung fork because it's infinitely adjustable and you can tune it and it's all good. So look for that. I'm also generally at that price point, again, in the fork, I'm going to look for something uh, that has some kind of coated stanchion. So a solid steel stanchion. It's just going to have a little bit more stiction. It's going to be heavier. So I'm looking for probably an aluminum steer tube and aluminum stanchions, usually with some kind of gold coating. So, you know, RockShox has theirs and Fox has theirs. But you generally know that price point. So in the retail side of things, that fork would probably run you $400 plus. And that's what I'd be looking for in the fork. Um, what else am I looking for? Honestly, nothing else is that important at that price point. So you're um, looking at something like a RockShox. Um, probably like a. I know when I was in the shop. Like a recon. Was, yeah, level. the recon. Yeah, um, I doubt you're going to find. It's got a number on it now, doesn't it? It's, it's well, they have anymore. one below the recon. They have a. Um, XC32. XC32TK. Okay, and that one is an alloy. Yes. And. The TK <clears throat> is the TK okay. Gold is 
They have ones that have steel. Yeah. They have ones that are steel and air. They have ones that are steel and coil. They have all kinds of So you ones. want, if, if you're looking for a bike that's, we're talking about, if you're going to spend, what, $1,500 on a bike, you yeah. should be able to get one that has that fork on it. Generally, $1,500 new should get you a recon level or higher, or in the Fox world, it'll get you the entry-level Fox evolution or higher. Generally. Not always, okay. but that should be... So if you get you get that bike, you're going to have wheels that are most likely not too good. And that's going to be the problem for the most part. I haven't kept up with every manufacturer for the current 2014 model year. But what you're going to find most of the time is at $1,500, the wheels are going to suck. I would go as far as to say under $3,000, the wheels are probably questionable. Yeah, it's very difficult. I, I think there are more acceptable wheels than others, for sure, in that price point. Like the Scots, for example. Uh, we sell Scott. I will openly bash them. They put the worst wheels on their bikes. Yeah, because even like the entry level carbon hardtail has non tubeless wheels on it, right? Yeah, you can get a 120 pound rider on them and they touch one thing and they just fold up. It just doesn't make any sense. They're horrible, the horrible wheels. DT Swiss. No, it's the, it's the Alex ones. Oh, okay. But some of the DT Swiss that. ones, no, they're all the same. Oh, I thought they were starting to use Syncross wheels or Syncros. On they, the, they, that nice place. No, it's really funny. What they've done is they bought Synchros, and Synchros makes real stuff. But what they do is they just use that Synchros brand since they own it now, and they rebrand the Alex rims and they call them Synchros. If you look real, oh, so all if you look on that sticker, they purchased that brand and then they're immediately turning it into garbage. If you that's look, great. if you look at the sticker, it says Synchros Alex. Synchros. Oh, that's. I was like, oh, come on, Sony so, Gut. So any guts. Yeah. Except this Alex guts, so you yeah. want to vomit on it. So the deal is, <laughs> Scots in particular have very bad wheels. There are a lot of other manufacturers that put just horrible wheels and it's on hard bikes to know in the factory. Cannondale's pretty notorious for that, too. Cannondale's are better than Scots, but they're still not generally good in that price point. So long story short is, you're going to have crappy wheels if on you your $1,500 bike. So just know that going into it. So what I would do personally if I was shopping for that bike is, A, does the bike fit me the way I think it should fit? And, B, does it handle the way I think it should handle? That's the most important thing. That's number one. Number two is probably does it come with a good fork that we already talked about what all the points you should be buying on is. And then everything else, to me, I was, doesn't I really was matter going at that more point. for what should, if you buy the $1,500 mountain bike, what oh, and is it the should not have avid brakes on it. It, it, should have, it, it should have Shimano Hydros. That's impossible. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be tough to do sometimes. Nobody's going to do that. Cannondale. Cannondale does it now. Well, now you get... Okay, so then the problem with the Cannondale is you have a head tube size that is not standard. So if you do want to change the fork in the future, you can't. It comes with a regular fork. It comes with a traditional double-legged fork. Like, it's already got the adapter headset and everything in there. It's ready to rock. This year they do? This year. Because last year, or the last year when I was working in the bike shop, they came with proprietary 1.5 steer tube forks. No. Okay. No, my understanding, I, I could be wrong. My understanding is that they're regular forks now. And I might, you might be right on that, but regardless, good fork, proper frame fit, all the other stuff, like don't buy a bike over another bike because of the rear derailleur. That is the silliest thing to do. Yeah, because you could break your rear derailleur on your first ride. No, it's just that the rear derailleur is not... <laughs> Don't ask me how I know like, that. The difference in quality between, say, an SLX and an XT is so minuscule in that one part. Never buy it because of the rear derailleur. And companies love doing that. 
they'll be able to complete Dior bike and put an XT rear derailleur on it. Because people look at it and they go, oh, it's got an XT rear derailleur. Yeah. They'll call it an XT bike, too. Yeah, that's what's really, really sad. I was, I was looking more like the, the question I was more asking since we're doing our, like, why is my bike a fat pig thing? What? Matt's shaking his head at me. The $1,900 F29.6 does have a 1.5 steer tube. That's nice. What about the one step below it? Because like that's what we're going to be carrying is the uh, what is it? Trail SL. Okay, so you're going to have Trail SL. Yeah. Is that still a fat? That's still going to be fat steer tube. Stem is Candel C4 1.5 inch, 318 degree. Okay. Yeah. Fork is a Recon XC30 29 TK, 1.5 inch. So he's right. But regardless, if you had to, worst case is you got to buy an adapter headset. It's 60 bucks. So. And a new stem, so you're adding $100 to yes. the cost of your replacement fork. That is correct. So, I mean, I'm not trying to be a... No, you're, no, you're right. It, but you just have to look down the road at these things. You're right. And, and that's, say, that's been one more reason why you should probably buy a bike that's got a decent fork on it from the factory. Because that's the thing I see from time and time again, is somebody, they, they are insistent on buying that $1,000 bike. Or twelve hundred dollars. Yeah, like thousand dollars is their cutoff. They're yeah, like, and I cannot spend more than. And $1, I understand $1. that. I understand a thousand dollars is a lot of money, but don't come in next week wanting to spend five hundred dollars on a fork. Well, what will happen is it's a shame. Is they'll ride that crappy Suntour coil sprung fork that has like an inch of play in it when you hit the brakes. It's just it's horrible. I mean, it's horrible, horrible. I mean, I'm scared riding it in the parking lot, <laughs> and someone wants to ride this like down a mountain, like that's insane. So. They come in, and six months later, they're shopping for Rebus. Right. And I'm like, man, if you just would have done this to begin with, you would have saved a ton of money. Um, so, anyway, that's that's my stance on the forks. Buy all the fork that you can afford, because I think on a mountain bike, it's one of the more important. Yeah, things. yeah, for sure. Um, what, is, what does everybody else have to say about Well, I was going to say, like, lap? if you buy a 1500 like you said, you know, and like Matt said, if you buy a fork that is, or if you buy a mountain bike, you know, like the $1,500, $1,600 mountain bike, the wheels are most likely going to suck. And it's kind of hard to tell what I was going to say earlier. is on some of the bikes that use, like, factory-branded wheels, like Bontrager wheels, and I think Specialized does it, don't they? Yeah, do Specialized uses a lot of their own wheels, but they're yeah. very, they kind of have a couple of levels. They have a open ball hub, they have a sealed hub, and then they have DC Swiss internal hubs. I'll tell you what, some of the manufacturers, and because I don't, I'm not going to talk bad about Trek and Specialized. I actually think they do a lot of really good stuff. Um, I've noticed that some factory Trek and Specialized wheels in that $1,500 price point are actually acceptable. Okay. Like I've actually seen bikes, I don't remember off the top of my head what they were and exactly how much they cost, but I see them come in because I work on them, and they'll have a for example, the Bontrager stuff. Yes, it's got a rim strip in there to make it tubeless, but it's seat solid. It mm-hmm. snaps in. You're not going to just lose a tire randomly. Right. Yes, right. the rims are heavy, but they're pretty reliable. Like, I see people put, like, the rhythms or whatever those things are. Yeah. People put a ton of miles on those things. Even, like, the duster rims. The dusters, exactly. Like, they people put lots of miles on. So, there are some, some okay factory wheels. The only ones that I've seen, though, off the top of my head, I've seen a couple of specialized ones that are acceptable at that price point. I've seen a couple of Trek wheels that are acceptable at that price point. That's really about yeah, it. Yeah, so, though. you know, if you find if you find a bike, I mean, that can definitely be a selling point. If you are looking at different bikes in that price range, and let's say they all have 
similar forks, like Kenny said, a you know an alloy stanchion, alloy steer tube fork um, that's air sprung. You know, if one has 2,000 gram tubeless ready wheels and the other one has 1,950 gram non tubeless ready wheels, or, or even scarier, if the other one has 1,600 gram wheels you've never heard of, they're probably going to explode. They will explode. Yeah. 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 So. That's, that's for the most part, if that wheel, and this is getting really, really nerdy, and I don't know why you're ever going to, like, measure this, but if it has 1.8 mil spokes that are straight gauge, just don't buy them <laughs> because they will blow up. Uh, that's all there is to yeah. it. Yeah, so, you know, but if you end up with a, you know, if you find a good deal and you get your $1,500 mountain bike, it's got a decent fork on it, but let's say the wheels are a little, are they aren't tubeless ready. You can get for... From just about any bike shop. I mean, if your bike shop doesn't carry these, there's something wrong because you get them from Quality Bike Parts, which is the biggest <clears throat> distributor uh, that any bike shops use. So most, you know, 99% of the bike shops out there can get you a set of stands, arch or flow wheels or rims on some SRAM X9 hubs. Kenny, what's the retail on those? Uh, between like 360 and 400. Yeah. So, and most shops, and, and I, you can I get all the axle configs too. You can get twelve yeah. by one forty-two and fifteen mil and all that stuff. So, and most shops, I, I mean, I know any of the shops I've dealt with. When you buy your bike, and you know, like the week or so after you buy your bike, if you want to upgrade something, they will sell you that upgrade part at a discount. So you could potentially get a really solid set of tubeless wheels for. You know, around like $350. Yeah, so what we do at our shop is, and not everybody does this, but they should, is we will give you, I'll give you buyback on the brand new part if you've never used it, even if it's a piece of crap wheel set. So that 1.8 straight gauge wheel set that's going to explode if you go off a driveway bump, I will give you 50 bucks or whatever for the set. It's not much, but it's something. And honestly, that's all I'm ever going to turn around and sell them to a customer for. It's like somebody yeah, who's yeah. Someone who just like tacoed a wheel on their Walmart bike. Yeah, and they're, never, and they're never going to buy a $150 OEM replacement cheapy wheel because they think a $150 OEM replacement wheel, while I know it's still a complete piece of crap, they're like, I'm never going to pay that. So anyway, I can usually sell them and you get some money towards that. Plus you get a percentage off of retail because you just bought a new bike and all that good stuff. So yeah. in the end, somebody can walk out of my shop with a set of stands, tubeless rims, DT double-bedded spokes, X9 hubs for 300 bucks. Yeah. So what it costs. On definitely, you know, if you and if you get that like good quality hard, you know, your hardtail mountain bike or whatever, and you don't have tubeless wheels on it, like right off the shelf. Go ahead and and ask your shop what kind of deal they can do on that same, you know, on that set of wheels. Because any shop can get that set of wheels. Um, just ask them about it. Tell them to look at quality bike parts, at the hand-spun wheels. It's a great build. They do a good job of building wheels. Um, Kenny, you've never seen any problems with their builds, have you? Um, sometimes they use, they don't use uh, spoke prep. Sometimes they just use, like, oil or grease. So sometimes... When you first shake the wheels down, you'll loosen up a spoke or two. But once you tighten it up that first time, it's usually good after that. So yeah. for the most part, they, they come in pretty good condition and pretty well tensioned and dished and all that good stuff. 
Yeah, so ask about that. Um, that's a good place to start. You know, if you're looking at other parts on that same sort of bike, most of the bikes in that price range are going to come with an alloy handlebar. Um, you know, maybe swap out to a carbon bar. Even a lighter weight alloy bar. Like, the Niner alloy bar is lighter than most of the, like, entry-level bike alloy handlebars. And if you're counting, if really your only thing is to count grams and not really do a performance increase... Um, my next suggestion would be cassette because yeah. if you have, for example, a Dior cassette, it weighs 400 and some odd grams, like 450 just for a 10 speed. Just an XT and then you get an XT and that XT weighs 350. You've just saved a hundred grams for a hundred dollars and a dollar per gram is like phenomenal. If you can ever well, pull off a dollar a gram, you're doing really well. I would just, okay. So that's where I want to disagree. On your first bike, you shouldn't change something like cassette. If it doesn't have any resale value, don't change it till it wears out. Yes, that's understandable. That, that, because that hundred dollars. But if your shop is willing to a give you a discount on the new part and b buy back the other part. So again, well, my my standpoint is I I buy back that Dior cassette for a little less than my cost. So I buy it back for thirty bucks, and then I give them a discount on the cassette. So I sell it to them for whatever, say eighty five dollars. So for fifty something bucks, now they're dropping out of pocket 50 bucks they're dropping over 100 grams off the bike like that's amazing that's oh. like amaze balls <laughs> yeah but i would change something else like tires tires are usually a place that bikes really skimp bad yeah most yeah, of the time some wire bead tires on there well not even that you might might get heavier but it's going to ride better most it, of the oem tires are pretty shitty because what they're they going to do they make pretty good rear tires well no they double <laughs> they double off so they're heavier and they're smaller so they call it a 2.1, but it measures out to like a 1.95 or a 2.0. I'll tell you what, we just got in one of those Cannondales. I'm like, it seems like I'm talking bad on Cannondale or something. Which Cannondale? Uh, it's the new budget 29 full suspension, $2,000 even. It's got an Airsprung XC32. It's called the Rush something. Rush 1, I believe. So uh, anyway. Rush 2? Is it white? Uh, it's the $2,000 one. So it's got the air sprung fork. I think it's the one. So anyway, that bike has, quote, and this is WTB's fault, not, yes, can, yes. not Cannondale's fault. It's got WTB something or other. Nine line XC29. 2.0s. And I measured them with the caliper. 1.79. What are they thinking? Like, not even close. That's real bad. What are they thinking? Well, WTB measured it on like a flow. An, yeah, like on something a, on with a like P35 a P35 at 100 psi. Exactly. And don't get me wrong, I'm sure the factory rim is 17 to 19 mil internal, but still, come on, that's just ridiculous. Yeah, that is. 1.79. That was with like 60 psi in it too. <laughs> so. Uh, I want to kind of shake the bush a little bit on this mythical $1,500 29er. Um, and I've kind of pulled up a bike that I really like. Uh, I really love the Specialized Carve. Now it's the Crave. And just kind of in poking around, I wanted to go and see what they offered at that price point. So $1,600 MSRP. You get a tapered head tube, um, aluminum frame that has what I think is really nice geometry. Uh, you get the Recon Gold TK Solo Air Fork with remote lockout. Um, you get, and this is where it gets really cool, you get Dior brakes. You get an SLX Shadow Plus rear derailleur. Are those the 615 brakes, does it say? 
four four fives. Okay, a little bit older ones, but that's but, they're still but fine. But still, you get Shimano brakes. They're yes. going to work, and yeah, that, while they that's might be really heavy, really key. They're they're not going to give you problems in six months. Um, you get a a you know a, a SRAM non-series aluminum crank, but still a very easy to use serviceable crank. Um, and then you get those same wheels that came on mine, uh, my bike, that Paul's running tubeless. And it has been for a while. Uh, while these are the open ball version, it's still a bike that you could set up tubeless from the get-go. Or like they've been saying, you can do the, the swap it out. Um, you know, just kind of depending on what the, the shop was feeling. So, I mean, I think that's a really solid bike for $1,600. Um, and, and, you know, like they were saying, doing a wheel swap, if you were going to do that, you could even bump it up to like a ZTR wheel, which is going to be even lighter and nicer. And you could still get this out the door for, I want to go ahead and stretch it to 22. You could put a, a wolf tooth chain ring on it and a, a nicer wheel set and you'd be really set. You know, you'd have a bike that you could race the shit out of. So. What is, is it set up to buy from the factory? It's to buy from the factory, yeah. What kind of drivetrain? Well, it is um, Shimano Dior shifters. SLX rear derailleur with the Shadow Plus though, so it's already got a Shadow rear derailleur, and then it's a um, X5 front derailleur. So. Yeah, I mean that's a really nice bike. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with it. So, and I mean for that price, it's, I think it'd be really hard to beat. So, um, yeah. And just in case anyone out there is actually listening, which uh, I think is actually uh, our listeners are like unicorns. I don't think they exist because no one calls anymore. So uh, the number is six four six. Five nine five four one one three. Right now, if you call, you have a one hundred percent chance of winning that fifty percent discount for Fix It Six because we'll put your name in a hat. And then the show will draw, and if no one else is called, you're gonna win, and it'll be awesome. So unless we accidentally drop your name out of the hat, we're not gonna drop your name out of the hat. In which, Thor in, in which case, we're sorry. I might teabag your name while it's in the hat, but we're not gonna drop it out of the hat. All right. So let's let's move on from when you buy your new bike. Um, there's been, uh, someone, someone posted a little bit of clipless pedal drama, um, today. I saw Dickie had posted this link and had, I don't know, he might've shared it from somewhere else. So he, he, he probably did. did. I mean, he, he's not original at all. He doesn't have any original. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. So Dickie bites everybody. He, he especially, he copies my blog constantly. Um, but anyway, enough about that. Um, he posted this link to... A guy called James Wilson, who runs a website called BikeJames.com, and he says clipless pedals are not the problem. The lies told to sell them are. Um, and he, you need to read this. I posted a link. If you go to the Mountain Bike Radio Facebook page, um, and you go to the Just Riding Along uh, post that Mountain Bike Radio made for tonight, um, I posted a link to this article. And it is worth, if you're listening to this after the fact, pause your broadcast right now and go find that. Read the article real quick uh, and then come back and listen to the rest of this. It is so entertaining. Do not break whatever you... If you read this on your phone, don't break your phone. If you read it on a tablet, do not take a crap on your tablet. It's really, if you read really it on your funny. computer, do not rage quit your computer and punch it off your desk. This because guy, believe it or not, this dude has the idiocy and the like audacity of mountain bike review, but he does it with his name pinned to it. So he's either really ballsy or really, really not that intelligent. Or maybe he's really smart and he's just trolling. 
I, that's what I'm going to assume. I'm going to hope that he's really just trolling for attention. Um, it's really, really entertaining. He is. He comes off as like the most curmudgeon person in the world. Yeah. Okay, According so- to Max Corbett, that is a hard-fought battle between me and this guy, and this guy won. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this guy. This guy has written an article that could not even rival Matt. Or, or his, Matt could not even rival his level of curmudgeon bitching. I could go on a six-day bender, and I still wouldn't be able to bitch like this guy. Okay, so anyway, this guy says, he essentially, you need to read the article, um, but he's essentially saying that... I got a really good way to describe it. This, people... I have the best analogy. Okay, go ahead. Clipless pedals. This guy is the tea party. Clipless pedals are Obama. Yeah, there you go. That's it doesn't matter what or the validity or the truthfulness. He runs with it like it's the facts, the God-given facts handed down by Moses. And, and it's clipless the way... petals were born in Kenya. Exactly. So where's your birth certificate, clipless petals? <laughs> so, so really, like, can, okay. we call, can we call this guy Glenn Beck? <laughs> so this guy, yeah, this guy is like the Glenn Beck of flat petals. Um, so anyway... His argument is that bike shops insist on selling clipless pedals to new riders because they claim that clipless pedals increase your pedaling efficiency. Um, Which, as he correctly points out, that is not true. Um, Because really the most efficient riders, if you look at any study on like professional and like high-level riders, the best riders are the ones that push down the hardest on the downstroke. It doesn't have anything to do with pulling up on the upstroke. It only has to do with not interfering with the downstroke of one foot while you are in the upstroke of the other foot. Um, so he is, he is right in saying that. Um, that's true. But he says that... Well, the funny thing about the article to me is that he is... The big fallacy of the article is that he's assuming that all bike shops somehow have this secret agenda to make money on clipless pedals and shoes. And that is like their sole purpose for being in business. Right. It's like, it's like that they found this, like everybody's on this, this secret mission to mess with the customer and feed them false information. And it's just, it's completely Let me tell you, insane. Let me tell you, my favorite thing to do when I worked at the bike shop was help somebody try on shoes. There was nothing I enjoyed more than telling someone about shoes and why they should choose to spend, uh, why the person wearing a pair of $130 Brooks run shoes, trying to convince them to spend $200 on a pair of shoes that weren't going to wear out after four months of use. What I really don't like, and I'm not actually being sarcastic here, I do not like it when some 40-year-old dude is asking me how a shoe is supposed to fit. I'm like, dude, how many shoes have you bought <laughs> up until this point in your life? I can't, I'm not wearing the damn shoe that's on your foot. I, I have no fucking idea how it feels. If it's not cramming your toes in the front and it's not so loose that it can come out of the damn shoe, it probably fits. Like, you know what a shoe feels like when it fits. Don't ask me. I'm not like, you know, I'm, so, how so the, the fuck one thing, have you made it this far without knowing how shoes work? What the hell is wrong with you? Oh. Okay, so let me let me just add my two cents in here. <laughs> so, when I worked in the bike shop, I sold plenty of clipless pedals, but I also had a lot of people 
that were like, no, no, I like, I want flat pedals. I don't want to be clipped in. I need flat pedals. And you're like, okay. So you really want to ride, and you want to ride with flat pedals. This is what you need. You need to buy high-quality flat pedals, which are going to cost similar $100. to... $100. They cost yeah. $100. They just do. Maybe may as cheap as like 60 but they're going to cost $100. Yeah, so you're going to still have to spend some money. Like, you can buy flat pedals for, what, 15 or $20, but they're going to break. You can also buy clipless pedals for that much, too. And yeah. And they're going to break. And that, that, it doesn't matter. If you buy cheap shit, it's cheap shit, and it's going to break. The other thing about it is if you're going to do it right, you really need to have a set of shoes That's that you're riding. That's what I was going to get to next. It's like, okay, if you are a flat pedal person, this is what you need. You need... You buy 510s or whatever Yeah, you need buy. a good set of pedals, and you need a good set of shoes. They're going to be stiffer sold. They're not going to be as stiff as a carbon-soled flipless shoe, but they're still stiffer than, like, your Nikes that you're running in or your Skechers. You know, that you're trying to wear with your toe baskets. Um, they're going to be stiffer, and they're going to have a tread that has a better interface for the little uh, spiky things that stick up out of your flat pedals. And that's still going to cost, I mean, that's, you that's can... That's still a $200 investment. Yeah, really I mean, you can still buy, like, an entry-level set of clipless shoes and pedals for the same amount of money. And those people are like, no, I want flat pedals. And then you tell them, well, it's still going to cost around $200. And they're like, no, I want the $20 flat pedals, and I want to wear my running shoes on them. It's like, well, you're not going to be able, all of the stuff that Mr. James Wilson brings up about how you should be able to bunny hop and do everything on uh, flat pedals that you can do with clipless pedals, and, you know, you the, the pedal stroke thing doesn't matter. Like, you only get that level of ability on a flat pedal, I mean, unless you're Matt and you can be like in flip-flops on any flat pedal, but if you're a new rider, you're the only way you're going to be that comfortable on flat pedals is if you have a nice set of pedals and a pair of shoes to go with it. And that you also just have the experience to go with it because the person that can bunny hop like a boss on flats can probably bunny hop like a boss in those pedals too. So I just don't understand. I don't understand the argument with that. That's just ridiculous. Well, here's the argument. The argument is, perfect example is, when you bunny hop, you should make a rowing motion with your handlebars. Your handlebars should come towards your hip. You should then push your handlebar up and away from your hip, and that's what lifts the rear end of the bicycle. You should not be standing in that attack position bend your elbows six inches, bend your knees six inches, and then jump straight up and then suck the bike up. Because if you do that with flat pedals, nothing happens. What Mr. Wilson is talking about is that. When people just do, like, the overall, like, hop. When they're just, like, when yeah. they just do, like, the armadillo, and they just jump straight up. Well, <laughs> so it seems to be that his argument is he's, you, mad, he's mad because somebody somewhere at some point in life sold somebody clipless pedals because they said they were more efficient. And that, like, really bothered his brain for some reason. So that's the whole article, and he's just bitching about that. All the other stuff is a moot point. Who cares? If you can bunny hop and clipless pedals, no, 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 no. you can bunny hop and clipless pedals. It's no. like he's, like, being a curmudgeon because it's not, you're not doing it the true, pure way. If you can get over a fucking log in your clipless pedals, get over the fucking log in the clipless pedals. Who cares? Well, but that runs into a ceiling very quickly. Well, the armadillo doesn't – I think what he's saying is, like, if you learn to bunny hop without clipless pedals, you would learn to bunny hop onto something bigger because the armadillo 
runs out at probably somewhere between eight and twelve inches, depending yeah, on the person. Inches. But the <laughs> the true motion, like that rowing motion, is you can be going slow and you can actually do that in two parts to get onto something tall, like a rock. Like yeah. you can pull the front end up and then when you do that row push forward, you put the rear end on the rock as well. And like if you don't know how to do that, he's saying you'll never learn that. And he's just not articulate enough in his explanation to say you should first learn how to mountain bike extremely well before you commit to riding with clipless pedals because you may be leaving something on the table that you won't learn because these clipless pedals offer you a crutch that is good bike control, good riding technique, all this, that you may not find necessary. And at some point, you will be limited by your previous not learning. I think that's what he's trying to say, and he just doesn't make a good a good argument because he's a little too much. Like I said, he's, he's like the Tea Party-ish. He's just kind of like, Ah, fuck this shit, ma! And like, he's just too grouchy about it. Well, the other flat pedals are America. Yeah, the other part about it that bothers me is that, I mean, the the plus sides to clipless are so giant. Forget, like, basically, this whole thing is going around some bunny hop argument. All right, fine, whatever, make that argument, even though it's retarded. So, the other argument is all the pros of clipless pedals, and I'm not talking about power transfer and all that kind of crap. But just the secure, the secure platform that it gives you is humongous. Like when you're, when you're doing a 12-hour race, could you imagine doing a 12-hour race on flat pedals? No. It would, be, it would be the worst experience of your entire life. No, I did get beaten at my first Shenandoah by a guy who was riding single-speed flat pedals. Yeah. So, and I'm not saying there aren't people that have done it, but it's going to be, you're going to waste so much more energy because you're flying off the pedals and when you get tired, your pedal stroke goes bad and like, it's just, I don't see, I don't see any of the downsides to Copeless. I really don't. I don't know. Obviously, this is not like some new thing. We all ride Copeless, but yeah, anyway, yeah, it's just. It's just a stupid article, and this guy is upset about crap you know, it, it that is imaginary. Up, it filled up 10 minutes of our show. So it did, so I guess, I guess we got to give him props for that. He gave us something to talk about. So, so if, if he was trolling for attention, he got attention. So do you want to talk about how Enduro has become the new women's specific? Yes. All right, so I've written a story that I unfortunately, much to my dismay, have to abbreviate. Um, <laughs> and while you might shake your head in disbelief, this is what I used to distract myself from the Steve Harvey show during lunch in the break room today. So um, <laughs> if any of my coworkers happen to find this and listen, no, I'm not actually listening to anything on my headphones. I have them in so you won't talk to me. So, um, yes, yes. The Steve Harvey show. So Steve Harvey is an African-American gentleman, and that show is kind of marketed towards People of that persuasion, correct? No, that show is actually marketed towards people who are stay at home. Okay. Because it happens, this show's on 12 to 1, Central Standard Time. And it's marketed towards someone who has, um, uh. Is it kind of like Jerry Springer? No, 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 no. It's way, it's like if Oprah were a dude and like had tough love. Like today there was, okay. a, there was okay. a chick on there because it's really hard to avoid but to get totally sucked in is, is is pretty easy to avoid. But, like, there was a chick who thought that she, <laughs> like, didn't work in regular world nine-to-five jobs. And, like, her mom was tired of her, like, losing jobs and having to come move back home and then moving off to, like, California to be a model and then failing because she wasn't that pretty and she was 
kind of a like yeah yeah, yeah. Tell she's hard to deal with keep going so Steve's like oh you you want to taste the real world come with me and like they went and she worked on a farm for a day shoveling shit and at the end of the day the lady wrote her a check for like sixty dollars and the chick was like, I didn't realize you had to work that hard to make $60. And it's like, yeah, well, you know, you just can't go around, like, doing blow and servicing <laughs> dudes and, like, making it through life. So, yeah. Like, anyways, so this is my story of uh, Jack Ass and Jill. Um, so. I'm going to go get some water. Jack is a mountain biker who's always loved a mountain bike. And he has always mountain bike in college he bought this really sweet gt triple triangle bike what year was college yeah uh, in 99 he bought these and if this doesn't work out don't bash me because in 99 i was i was very young i was not shitting my drawers i was 11 in 99 and i was riding bmx bikes but in 99 he bought this sweet gt triple triangle and it had a judy fork and all xt everything and it had like mavic sweet wheels with ceramic rims right and after college, he got a good job, and he's bought a couple of new bikes, but he's always held on to the GT. So he he has a GT, and he has a Santa Cruz highball with nice stuff all over it. So it's like a 25-pound hardtail that's, you know, it's like XT stance wheel, normal bike, right? One day, Jack meets this chick, Jill. Fast forward a couple of months, Jack and Jill go on a bike ride, and this is what happens. Jack goes out to ride his 25-pound highball with tubeless tires, and he puts Jill on his used 30 pound extra large hardtail with 26 inch rims, like tube tires with 50 psi, rim brakes that don't work because they haven't been tuned up in like six years. And she's like 5'7, 120 pounds. And she puts on a pair of spandex, like yoga pants, and she wears panties. And she goes out and goes for this ride, and she really gets the raw end of the deal in more ways than one. And, that, and that's why I really said she wore panties, because, like, she doesn't know any better. Him being a dude, he doesn't want to try to sound sleazy and tell her that she shouldn't wear panties under her bike shorts that she might have or so might ladies, not. this is what happens when you wear panties. Do, and, not, do not wear panties. And you, you wear these panties under your bike shorts. Let's say she wore bike shorts. She wore her panties under her bike shorts, because I've seen it a bunch. And it's really odd to have to tell this lady, like, look. I know that you just don't know, and it's really awkward to tell you that you don't need to wear those under your bike shorts. So she gets raw in all kinds of ways. And miraculously, Jill doesn't hate mountain biking. So she goes mountain biking again and again and again, right? And finally, she comes to realize a couple of things. One, that Jackass's GT is a piece of shit, and she gets it. She knows that that bike sucks. And... She decides to buy herself a new bike. She's successful. She has a great job. And she goes to the bike store by herself because she wants to surprise Jack that she's got a new mountain bike. And she's going to go mountain biking with him and show him that she is, like, able to keep up better because she has a bike that works. So she gets, uh, and I just went and kind of pulled up a, a nice bike. She got a Specialized Fate Comp Carbon. So... It's a, a pretty basic bike. It comes with nice parts. Um, it's, a, it's a nice carbon, women-specific bike from Specialized. It's 29-inch wheels. She gets the bike shop to upgrade her to a set of ZTR Crest because Jack has ZTR wheels, and the guy at the bike shop's like, yeah, you can ride Crest because you're so light. And then suddenly Jill is way faster on the mountain bike, and people might want to say that Jill's bike works so well because it is a women-specific bike. And if Jill were not so educated and didn't think so much about the things that she did in life, 
she may think that she loved this bike because it's a women-specific bike. Guess what? Here's a newsflash for you. This bike, it was made in this millennium, number one. Number two, it's for someone your size. Number three, it's from this century. It's from this decade. I know I'm talking about the year more than once because that's a really big deal. It's in the same playing field. Technology has come a long way. Yeah, it's in the same playing field. Like, you have tubeless wheels. You have hydraulic brakes that you can use with one finger now. You have all this great stuff. And did I mention that it fits? And by this point, you're starting to get a little bit of fitness. And suddenly, Jill is kicking Jack's ass all over the mountain. And it has nothing to do with the fact that her bike is women-specific. It has to do with the fact that her bike is nice and her bike fits her. So, sure, sometimes something that fits you is women-specific, but not always. So... Stop making shit pink and calling it women's just so women will buy it. Stop talking to women like they're girls. They're not girls. They're ladies. I've had a lot of ladies bitch that this women's bike was pink and they didn't want a pink bike. Just make something nice for someone and you don't have to market it to a specific person and make people think and brainwash them that if it's not women specific that it won't work for them. Guess what? Jill doesn't need women specific leg warmers. She doesn't need women specific arm warmers. And that's where it starts to suck. And... People think women-specific is so, like, holy grail, and it blows my mind. And, and the analogy is, if, going back in time, I used to, when I started working at bike shops, I worked at Trek, and Trek was, like, on the forefront. They had WSD. You worked at a Trek shop. You didn't work at Trek. Well, I worked at a shop that sold Trek, okay. yeah. And they were all about WSD and this and that. And it's like, okay, great. It's a little bit smaller bike, and you have flowers on it. That doesn't really mean shit. And now everyone has women-specific everything, and it... Do you it, want to talk for a second about that, the X-Fusion shop? Well, well, I was getting there. Okay, and then, okay. Like, now I see, and this is what, like, spurred it. The other day on Bike Rumor, there was... Is it Suntour? X-Fusion. X-Fusion is marketing a women's, hold your motherfucking hat, women-specific tuned suspension fork. Did you did you catch that? A women-specific tune fork. Yeah, I saw it. I mean, okay, so you can't hold on. Hold on. Here's the here's where it gets really cool. Most most professional riders that this badass stuff is made for, they're smaller than most women. I said it. Most women that ride aren't dainty. So there you go. Guess what? That fork that Nino rides. Is probably perfect for you because you're 20 pounds heavier. Yeah, I mean, how, Nino's shirts are weighs, what, 120 pounds? Probably. And I was going to say, you can't tell me, when you're talking about, if you're saying this is women-specific, you can't tell me that Karen Jarko, who's like 105 pounds soaking wet. Oh, my God, she's like pocket size. It's so she's, cute. I mean, she's not short. She's just, I mean, she might be a little shorter than me, like 5'5", five five maybe, but she's tiny. And Amanda Carey. Who's about the same height. She might be, you know, a half an inch taller than me, but she's maybe, she's like the only pro that's heavier than I am. I mean, she's like five, you know, depending on both our weights, probably five to ten pounds heavier than I am. You can't tell me that because they're both women, they should both have that women-specific tune for And then the real thing is, if if Amanda weighs more than and I'm Andrea... Saying, yeah, I, I weigh, you know, in my in all my gear, I'm probably... Upwards of 140. I'm between 145 and 150 pounds when I'm in my shoes and kit and helmet and everything. What they've done, though, I mean, 
it's, they it, have it, made real it, it's changes. Fun, so it's cool. fun to bash it, but they have made real changes. They, it's just what they're calling it is goofy. Yeah, they just need dumb. to call it the lighter tune. Yeah, like that because would be a great idea to sell. It's the lighter tune. Yeah, like anyone who's like jockey size who comes in and gets a mountain bike, like that'd be a great thing to sell them. Yeah, you see, if you say, look, if you weigh less than 140 pounds, maybe you should look at this because it's. But it's not even a different fork. It's exactly what you were talking about. It's different weights of oil. Sure, they have a couple of different dampening It's, it's probably got different valving and stuff in it. But I regardless... Think they, I think they said something about it being different valving. You know, it's... It, but it's just not it's, necessary. It's, it's marketing. And that's the thing. When you put marketing on it, it is just crap. Yeah. And that's what I think about all this enduro stuff. You have enduro gloves, enduro shoes, enduro shorts, enduro-specific glasses. And guess what? If you suddenly are enamored by this Enduro shit, so you finally spend $100 on a pair of shorts, they're going to be the nicest shorts you have. Not because they're Enduro, but because they're not $40 shorts from, like, the discount. Like, yeah, or I was going to say, like, they're not the free shorts that came with your Moto Bacane. Like, I mean, you got to realize at some point that when you buy nice stuff, you get nice stuff. And I, I really do think that Enduro is almost an embarrassment to not I mean yeah it's kind of an embarrassing thing to the cycling industry like you just want to say that suddenly you've added a little bit of travel to a certain segment of bike or like it's no longer all mountain it's enduro because you put a dropper post on it and this and that and now you have enduro so you can sell more of it and you can make more money and you can do it's give me a break I mean I love bicycles and I get it it's great you have fat bikes and 29 plus bikes and you have carbon this and you have you know people that still want to ride 26 inch rigid single speeds and you have people that want to ride 36ers and you have people that want to ride unicycles on the trail i really want everyone to have fun on the trail but i don't want companies to kind of what would you call it exploit Uh, yeah i don't want them to exploit the consumers of the industry and say you have to buy this because it's enduro and it's cool. That is so dumb. You need to don't call shit enduro. Call it 150 millimeter travel. If you have a bike that's 150 millimeter travel, but at the flip of a switch you only get 40 millimeters of that travel, so you can bomb uphill on it. Well, guess what? Call it a very pedalable bike. Don't call it an enduro bike. Actually, tell us what is going on there that makes it where we want it. It's, I mean. It's like when a bike is... Technically, you could take a downhill bike and a good pair of running shoes, and you could have an enduro bike because you can just push it all the time. (laughs) Or you could have a... I mean, you you know, you could take an all-mountain bike, and you could put a really light build on it. So you could put a pretty light cockpit. You could put a dropper post, but maybe a lighter saddle. You could put a lighter crank set with X, like do full XX1 you could put group. Enduro specific saddle on it. You could put a light saddle. You could put a light bar. You could put XX1 group and nice like medium weight wheels. And you'd have a really nice bike that you could race enduro on. That doesn't make it an enduro bike. That makes it a light 150 millimeter travel bike. And I almost feel like when you call something something. It makes people think they either have to have it to do that, or they can only do that with it. And it's it's just, it's stupid. I mean, road bikes work on gravel. Cross bikes work for lots of crap. Mountain bikes work on mountains. And, you know, there's there's some dude out there. I would love to see Nino race enduro. Because if Nino, like some dude that races a rigid or a hardtail 650B bike, if you put him on a 
I don't know what, like a spark, whatever Scott makes. It's like a, an all mountain bike. I'm sure he would destroy 95% of people out there because he's like, I'm going to pedal at a zillion watts for a minute, and then I'm not going to brake because this is not that big of a deal, and this bike has miles of travel. You Did know? you see the video of him? One just came out recently of him doing some all-mountain ride. No. I was he on so cool. No, no, he was on a big bike. <laughs> and he was bombing. Like, he was just, like, out of control, like, taking huge drops and, like, sliding the bike around. It was really funny. And he's obviously a really, really, really good rider, as that's a big surprise. I think he used to do downhill. I think that was his previous background. But regardless, it was freaking cool. So, you guys, I, I don't have the video link on me right now, but there is somewhere floating around over the past couple months um, of him doing some uh, kind of downhill-ish I mean, it wasn't like a full downhill run for yeah. sure, but it was like an all-mountain. So that's how, that's how when we said um, enduro is the new women-specific, you're getting a lot of stuff out there. You're buying a label. That's not necessarily buying. bad stuff. I mean, it's good quality stuff because really no one's going to make crap and say, yeah, go rage it down a hill. Yeah, so I'll bet you a $6,000 off-the-shelf quote enduro bike is probably going to be a nice bike. Yeah, that's a real nice bike. But um, it's really just a nice all-mountain bike. Yeah, but just don't get duped into thinking that you can't spend $6,000 elsewhere and get just as nice and just as capable. Perfect example. Of a, a, bike. a Santa Cruz Bronson would probably be a really great enduro bike. Yeah, it'd be great. It's a 650B 6-inch travel bike, right? Mm-hmm. But they don't call it enduro, so I guess you can't race it in enduro. Yeah, it's really funny, too, that you bring that up because Santa Cruz has the entire Julianne brand dedicated, and it's all the same bikes that they have. And they're all painted in, like, lighter pastel colors. But and they are slightly different sizes. Well, yeah, I mean, they have, like, smaller sizes and stuff. Well, that actually makes sense. You're just making smaller ones. Well, didn't you just, weren't you just bitching about that? No, I'm bitching about when you make it. The same exact thing? And No, but Santa Cruz isn't making them girly. They're ladies' bikes. They're not girls' bikes. No, I agree. The Julianas are girls' bikes. They make navy blue ones. They don't, yeah. they're not all pink. Which I agree. My, my problem is like when all, when a women specific line looks like it should be in Walmart with the Barbie bikes, that's when I'm bitching. Yeah. Make a, like if you want an adult to come in and drop big money on it, make it look like a big girl toy. I mean, and that's really what I meant. I don't mean like. Like Cannondale did a great job of that with all of their women specific bikes. But um, Scott, maybe not so much. Some of their colors yeah. are a little over the top sometimes. Yeah, well, and Scott also, like, their women-specific is literally just a different color. The and geometry's I think, not different. No, no the geometry's not different. They might, I can't, I, I can't confirm that they don't put a, maybe a narrower handlebar on it um, and offer you on the Shimano bikes maybe, like, the wedge to put into the shifter to make the brake levers closer. Ooh, that wedge. <laughs> that wedge. So, yeah, no, that's, that's, how, that's, what I, that's what I was really mad about is, like, when people just make bikes colorful, and that makes it suddenly an awesome women's bike. The Juliana is offering it in another size range, which one time I ran into an issue where this little bitty Asian dude really needed a Juliana, but he wouldn't buy a Juliana because it was a Juliana. So, yeah, yeah that is frustrating as well. Because See, the opposite, that's exactly the problem, is like the, because there are plenty of women who would fit perfectly, because, like, the Santa Cruz stuff runs pretty small. Like, the Santa Cruz small and Santa Cruz medium, or I guess they don't make a small a lot, but the, the Santa Cruz medium is a pretty tiny bike, and, like, most women are going to fit on it. Great. Yeah, like, I'm 5'6". Well, I do have, I have a little bit of a long torso and arms. 
But you would fit on a size medium Santa Cruz Yeah, I'd fit on a size medium Niner. You, you'd fit on a – well, the Niner's way bigger. Yeah, and I, I fit on a medium Niner. I just use um, a negative 17 stem and a little bit shorter, and it fits me just fine. Yeah. It fits me just like the small does. But it's funny because I've had a few people approach me, and they wanted to buy the Juliana just because it's the Juliana. And, like, I – it's like they weren't even, they didn't even think about buying a Santa Cruz. I mean, I guess you have to give props to their marketing department because, look, somebody's actually searching for this because it's a women specific Santa Cruz. But, you know, we go over the numbers and it would fit perfectly fine on a medium Santa Cruz. So, I don't know, it's just, it's a little silly to me. Yeah, and like I said, the, the issue that we ran into is like, this guy was a little Asian guy. And no, I mean, there's nothing racist about that statement. He was a he was a very small man who happened to be Asian. That was a very small man for an Asian man. I mean, he was like five feet one, probably, yeah. or five foot even. And like, he got a medium and put like a really short stem on it. And it's like, man, you would be so much better off with the Juliana because the Juliana is like a the smallest one is like a good bit smaller. And this is back when we were trying to sell like, fuck, what is that bike even? The single pivot aluminum 26er. What the is that? Super light. Yeah, it was a super light versus the the Juliana super light, and and he would have been so much better off on the Juliana, but I mean, he just he wouldn't go for it, and you know, it, it was a bummer. I mean, we had both lights right there back to back, and like he liked the way the other one rode, but he wouldn't buy it because it was a chick's bike. You know, yeah. it's like shit. And I think that this is maybe like the last frontier of it. What would happen if these flight companies? Stop playing these stupid games, and they made a a blur in an extra small through a double extra large, and then they would make so they could take let's just say the bike industry as a whole could lose 500 SKUs. Well, that's what they should do. It'd be fantastic, and just you know, I think that they should adopt things honestly a little bit more like how Trek does it, where they have kind of the it's the same frame that pretty much handles in the same way, but they have like H1, H2, H3. And they have taller head tubes, they et cetera, do, They et cetera. do have something they call women-specific for treks, but... You well, get, I'm sure like, they do on top of that. the Madone in women-specific. It doesn't have a different name. Okay. I'm talking about dropping it totally and saying you can buy a, a men's Madone, or, or a Madone, it's not men's or women's, and everything from a 45 to a 63. Of course. And that's what I'm saying is, you know, whatever, take CAD 10. Yeah. You know, a CAD 10 is not going to fit everybody properly in every size increment mm-hmm. like you need to change some other things because you might still want the cad 10 but you want oh yeah yeah trek does do a good job of that where you can get a madone in like the full-on like the most aggressive like race cut yeah or you can get the madone in the h2 or whatever that yeah. has it's a madone frame going to have the same ride qualities but the geometry is a little more relaxed that's what i'm getting at like they really need yeah. to do that with everything, in, or with anything like the higher end stuff. Yeah, instead of doing the women's specific stuff yeah. and like making it, you know, segregating it because it's just that's yeah. Kind of because silly. like my my well, like my favorite road bike that I've ever had was the BH Connect. That was just I mean it was like a unisex bike. It didn't have a gender. I mean I guess you could call it a men's bike, but then it had the same exact geometry as the women's Cannondale. Yeah. The women's Cannondale Evo, same geometry, same as the women's CAD 10. Um, you know, so that was just, it's geometry. Like in the Cannondale stuff, in the road stuff, I fit better on all the women's specific frames. Like yeah. they're just, they're tweaked where I fit better on them. 
I just do. So yeah, like, like the, offered you know some of your frames in just a different geometry, like an alternative geometry. Yeah. Yeah. So we got we got a little like side track there, but that's that's okay. Um, I think the main point that Matt was trying to make is that enduro is the new women specific because you're getting stuff that's coming out with the enduro label that it just it doesn't matter that it has that label it's just you know it's good stuff that you should just try out you know it might work well for you and just because you like one thing under that label doesn't mean that everything everything under that label will be good or that things that aren't under that label cannot be good as well. And yeah. guess what? They've made full-face helmets and full-fender gloves for a long time now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it turns out they've had those for a long time. All right, before we wrap it up, we actually did have one question on the Mountain Bike Radio Facebook page, um, and I can answer this one. You guys can sit back and relax if you want. Sit um, back and take notes. <laughs> relax and take notes. Uh, Michael Frey says, I've done a few hundred Ks and would like to do a 100 miler next season. Do you have any good suggestions for, or do you have any suggestions for a good race that isn't going to chew me up, but still hold my interest? By the way, road century sucks. No, they don't. Um, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna read the rest of it. I won't answer it because he said that. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, my previous 100Ks have all been the Mohican. Did fine with that. I'm based in Cincinnati and willing to take a recent road trip. Well, do the Mohican 100. You get to see some really cool stuff. Like after that. Uh, I know, like where you where the hundred miler and the hundred k course split at Mohican. Um, there is some really cool shit after that split for the hundred mile um, that's worth doing. So do that if that's the easiest thing for you to do. Um, shit, there's no there's no limit on the registration numbers for Mohican. So yeah, I mean do do that um, do that. Uh, other races in your area, I think the Lumberjack 100 up in Michigan, um, that's a really popular one, but you need to look at the registration date for that because I know it sells out in like five minutes or something. Um, that one I think is known for being not easy, but it doesn't have any like huge sustained climbs or anything weird like that. Um, Flatter 12-hour races. I mean, I know it's not quite the same, but you could set that goal for yourself and, yeah. and go out and do it. I mean, it's totally possible to do 100 miles in 12 hours yeah I mean my my favorite my favorite course for 100 milers is probably the Breck 100 but that one will chew you up um next favorite after I mean the Mohican course was fun I mean it, it really it held my interest because it was road and gravel road and trail and gravel road and trail I mean it kind of it alternated a lot it was interesting um, I liked it. That's what I would recommend. If you've already done that part, you know, you've got that first um, 40 miles or so down. So go ahead and stick with it. Uh, yeah. I can't think off the... Oh, full, the full cold 100 is really fun. It's two laps of a similar... Or of almost the same course, but it's still... Uh, it's a fun course. Most of the single track is a ton of fun. Um... You know, there's some gravel climbing and stuff, but, you know, that's, that's a fun course. That's kind of far from you, but, you know, take it, take a vacation, you can do it. You guys have any... Kenny, you said something about suspension. Yeah, but it's late, so um, we'll talk about it. We'll, give me a reminder, and okay. we'll talk about it next time. All right, cool. 
Well, this has been another episode of, what show is this? Oh, yeah, Just Riding Long. Um, brought to you by ProGold. And going, going uphill. uphill. Mayonnaise. <laughs> and oh, ProGold and, again. And by the way, no one called in, so no one gets a discount oh, on Oh, wait, hey, six. here's a call. Hold on, they've been on hold for four minutes. Oh, man. <laughs> Hold on, let's see who it is. Hello? Hey, this is Josh. You you win the prize because we were just about to sign off and I clicked over and I saw that you were on the line on hold for four minutes. All right. <laughs> I, I actually haven't been listening the whole time, so I don't even know what That's I'm great. winning. Yeah, it's really, it's actually really, really bad that you won. You win so I, I a apologize. free puppy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just what I need. What were you calling I, about? I actually had a question for you guys about a my stump jumper bicycle. Okay. Um, I I bought a stump jumper as a demo bike from a local shop, and I rode it a couple times, and then on one of my rides, I jumped and landed with the back end a little bit to the left and it broke the derailleur hanger and so then I replaced it and the next time I was out riding it broke again doing the same kind of thing and I've broken now four hangers and I keep taking it back to the shop and they fix it and they say that they can't see why it's broken or anything's wrong and then it breaks again so I was wondering if there's anything you guys any advice you guys would have? So I have a couple of questions for you. Which stump jumper right. is it? Is it, a, is it an FSR or is it a hardtail? It's the FSR 29er. So the way that that works is it uses a 142 by 12 DT Swiss through axle, correct? Yeah, exactly. And when you remove the through axle, you take a 5 millimeter bolt out that points upwards and the hanger drops off the bottom, correct? Exactly. And the hanger is actually part of the axle setup, correct? Yeah. The only thing I can imagine is there's something wrong with the hub. So when you land, there's extra slack there. And when all that slack gets taken out very quickly, it's shearing a part of the hanger off. Because the hanger okay. is the is the nut of the through axle. Huh. How, about, how about this? What if the shop has it set up with too short of a chain, and when he bottoms it out, and he's in a really easy gear, and it explodes the derailleur off the hanger. Every yeah, time it, it's done it, I've been, I've been going downhill, and it's down in the middle of the cassette. Okay. I mean, I really doubt that's the issue then, because you'd really have to be in, like, three, big, big. Like, yeah, big, yeah. big ring combo or something for that Yeah, to no, it's not in that. What you need to do is pack everything up and bring your bike to Memphis so we can look at it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah, maybe I wish I could. let's keep playing this game. Um, when you have before your rides, are you checking your through axle and making sure that it's nice and snug? Yeah, I have been. Okay, it seems, um, it seems and, to be tight. And let's just say that you were standing on the left side of your bicycle with your bike pointing to the left, okay? Okay. If you were to grab the seat with your left hand and the very top of the rear tire with your right hand, can you shake the tire front to back, like left, you know, what would be left or right of the bike, and it wiggles? Yeah, the, no, there's no play. All the shock linkage is tight. The, the shop checked all that with the torque wrench, and it's all tight. 
and there doesn't seem to be any play in the hub or anything. Hmm. I would, at that point, if you've broken four of them, I'd say it's worth putting a fresh set of eyes on. Um, yeah, take it to a different shop. Yeah, not that, not that your shop doesn't know what they're doing, but sometimes if you see the same bike, and I've, I've fallen victim to this before, and I, I consider myself a pretty good mechanic, um, you see the same thing over and over and over again, and you just start getting kind of frustrated by it, and you try a bunch of different things, but then all of a sudden, like, someone else walks up, and they're like, hey, this one really simple thing is wrong, and it's, it's fixed. So I would say it might be worth just getting someone else to take a look at it. I did I did actually take it by one other shop, and they just said the shock linkage would be their only thought, and they checked it, and it was tight. So you need to call Specialized. Yeah. That'd be what nice. you need to do is um, you need to go to their bike, their uh their website, get in touch with their tech people and call in and, and tell them what you have going on and give them why you're you're calling them, be like, look, I've been to my local shop. I need I need more professional and more comprehensive expertise on this matter. It's not that I don't trust them, but they don't they don't have an answer for me. Um how long have you had the bike? Uh just a few months. It's a. It was a demo. It's a 2011, um, but it still is under warranty. Um, so you need to talk to them and talk to them. I guess you could say not necessarily sternly. Don't be a dick, but just be like, look, you got to fix this. It's a full suspension bike, and I should be able to ride it. Have one of their guys. Like, is it? Let's just say that you went to the same spot and did the same jump, and you purposely kicked it out a little bit. Do you think you could, without a doubt, shear the hanger off? Every time it has been. So what you need to do is if they tell you they don't know what's wrong with it, you need to tell the shop owner that you're going to borrow his bike. <laughs> you, no, no, I mean very serious. You need to take another FSR, and you need to have someone of comparable size jump your bike and break it, and jump that bike and see if it breaks in that same position. If not, I would get on the not broken bike and ride away. <laughs> okay. Okay. No, the last I mean, time very seriously, I... the, okay. they, the, the people that are racing this bike, they land like this all the time on accident. Um, you know, they're just... Well, not necessarily even racing. Just anyone just riding at a reasonable speed. The people that race this bike do this all, all the time. They're pinning it, and shit goes wrong, and they land like that, and they just keep rolling because their bike doesn't break. And regardless of whether your bike was a demo bike or not, if things are continuing to break, there is something wrong, whether it's obvious or not, and it needs to be taken care of because that, that's just not normal. Um, and your bike shouldn't be seeing those problems. So. And that really would be like, if you brought it to us, that would be our... Um like our process of elimination, like we would check the linkage, we'd check and make sure the hanger is straight, the chain is long enough, you know, make sure everything is adjusted properly. And if, if we checked all of that stuff that it sounds like your shop has checked, that would be our next step is we'd call up Specialized and be like, hey, guys, what the hell is going on here? You know, what what's happening? You know, why is this bike breaking hangers off every time it lands a tiny bit sideways? You know, because it just... 
maybe they're like, oh yeah, you know that that year FSR, um, you know the the right seat stay bends a little bit, and so it puts the wheels kind of sideways, and it puts extra stress on the hanger. I don't know. You know, they they may yeah. have the answer like that. Okay, great. Yeah, because it, I feel like it shouldn't break. I see the pros getting yeah, yeah. rowdy on them, and they're fine. Yeah, yeah. Should not. Okay, well, break. great guys. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks for calling, and uh, let us. Well, I Let us know. Oh, yeah, we need to give you our email so you can email us uh, and we can get in touch with you about the prize that you won, about the free puppy or kitten. Um. <laughs> no, really, uh, send us an email. Um, you can send it to Matt at Mountain Bike Radio. Um, and what you'll get is a 50% discount for a Fix-It Stick multi-tool, so you can get one for 15 bucks. Um, and it sounds like you need one because your bike breaks all the time. Um, <laughs> But um, my last question is, every time this has broken, have you paid to have it repaired? The first couple times I just did it myself, um, but then I have had it done at the shop the last couple times because they they wanted to know exactly, so... Yeah. Because they're, they they're like trying they to troubleshoot it, so they did the work themselves. Okay. okay. Well, yeah, I would really let someone else go out and break that. I, I would love that's, – that's the place I would be at if I were you. I would want to either have someone watch me break it or I would want to watch someone else break it um, just for yeah. the simple – so they know – uh, and I'm not saying they think you're lying, but just so they know, so they can get that level of frustration that you have. Um, because, like you said, you, you want to be able to go out and ride the bike and get rowdy, and if the person sees that it takes, like, the marginal rowdiness to cause failure, then it's obviously a, a big problem, so. Yeah, and they, they should, at this point, you know, if they can't figure it out, they really should be talking to the manufacturer. Okay. Because you're not the first person to land a little sideways on this bike, so. <laughs> I wouldn't think so. Yeah, just uh, email um, your contact, your, like your, well, just email Matt at mountainbikeradio.com and he will. Um, we will get you taken care of. Yeah. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, All right. Thank thanks you for, for calling. calling. All right. Take it easy. Later. Deuces. Deuces. Okay. That's what we should do to everyone. Now that it's 845, we've had a long show. We've already tried the outro once. You should now just push the end call button now.